0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're a skiing, figure skating or snowboarding fan, you might be gearing up to watch the 2022 Winter Olympics. The Games begin tomorrow in Beijing. The lead-up coverage on TV shows, picturesque snow-covered ski slopes. But that snow, unlike the white stuff here in Chicago, is almost 100% artificial. Beijing was awarded the Olympics despite its mountain areas having an average winter precipitation of just 8 millimeters. And that's definitely not enough to blanket mountainsides in snow. So what are the environmental impacts of this? And what's the future of the Winter Olympic Games in a warming world? Here to break it down for us is Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. She is Executive Vice President at Slipstream, which is a clean energy innovation nonprofit. And she's also the former Chief Sustainability Officer of the City of Chicago. Hi, Karen. Welcome back. Hey, Sasha. So artificial snow, Karen, how how common is this at the Olympics?
1: We've definitely seen artificial snow in the Olympics before, but never to this degree. And it's actually been growing. So the last few Olympics, we've actually gotten to the point where the majority of the snow has been artificial. But this is the first time when we're looking at an Olympics and we're going into an Olympics knowing it's basically 100% artificial this time. Wow. So how how is it made? So artificial snow, the shorthand is really water, air and cold. And then depending on the local temperature and humidity, sometimes chemicals are used. But basically, you blast the water with compressed air through. If the air outside is cold, it freezes, and hits the ground pretty quickly. So these are little globs. They aren't the beautiful hexagons that we think of when we think of snowflakes. Well,
0: how much water
1: are we talking about here? Well, in this case, we're talking about the Beijing area. And for the Olympics there... 49 million gallons of water is the number people are quoting. It's an extraordinary amount. And 49 you're about- million. Oh, wow. Yes, exactly. So it's a lot to think about here. And it's all to put snow in a place that doesn't have snow.
0: Right. You know, as we heard earlier in the clip, this area of the country doesn't get a lot of precipitation. The, the Chinese government has said that they're using naturally occurring rainwater and recycled water to make the snow. What do you think?
1: Well, Beijing's a semi-arid area, and there really is not a lot of water to begin with, and certainly less in some of the mountain areas where the snow will take, where the skiing and the winter sports are going to take place. But those ideas of capturing rainwater and of recycling water, those are incredibly important ideas. But we're talking about a much bigger situation where you're putting a huge amount of water stress on a place that is already water stressed. And the precipitation here, as we heard from the top, it's just radically different than other places that have histories of mountain sports because they have snow.
0: So what happens when this snow melts?
1: Well, we're going to see in general, uh, artificial snow sometimes can melt more slowly. And you also have situations where the base is basically going to be ice. So you've got ice layers that will be there for a while in areas that are typically very dry. So the plants underneath, the biodiversity there, they will likely be impacted from some of this. It'll have different impacts on the water system, so how it soaks back in and recharges that area. So it's just it's a giant experiment in a sense, uh, but it's going to have some local impact just where the snow sits and then where the water starts to go when it actually does get time to melt.
0: Yeah. What else are scientists noting from using all of this water to create snow?
1: Well, big picture, when you think about having to create this kind of snow, there's always going to be that question of where does the water come from and where would that water have been otherwise? So what didn't get water because of this? So that's a macro question that's wrapped around here. And then another one is it takes an extraordinary amount of energy then to create the snow. Now, what's going to be interesting here is there've been a lot of construction of renewables around the Beijing area, uh, which is a great example of trying to think of problem solving multiple challenges at the same time. But you're talking about pulling water in and turning it into snow in a place where there is water scarcity in general.
0: I'm curious, are the athletes saying anything about what it's like to compete on artificial snow?
1: You know, it varies a bit by sport. And it's important to remember a lot of these athletes have been competing on artificial snow quite a good deal. But some of, there are some advantages. In some cases, it can make the snow more consistent and packed. So for alpine skiing, when you're flying down that hill, there's a lot of ice intentionally. And mm-hmm. that consistency can really be helpful. But they can vary as well. So, for example, if you're a cross-country skier, you're not used to that ice. You're used to more of a packed snow feel. Uh, And then if you fall, you might be falling in a place where there actually isn't snow. There's hard ground and rocks. So there can be differences in the experience when things are going really well, uh, just based on what that consistency is. And then there are differences when things don't go well in your sport.
0: You know what, Karen, let's let's pause for a second and, and address the person who's listening right now and wondering, why in the world should I care about artificial snow in China? What would you say to that?
1: A Very good question, of course. Um, You know somebody's asking. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely, and they should. Uh, One thing is we're likely to see more and more artificial snow, so these broader impacts of what happens to water, what happens to energy, those are big questions for all of us, but it's also really relevant here because snowfall is changing in the U.S., And so the actual ski season, even in the U.S., is shrinking and snow cover is declining. So these are challenges that we're going to see on more local levels here in our region.
0: And to be fair, we have 13 athletes from the Chicago suburbs who are going to the
1: games, right? We do. Admittedly, most of them will be on skates. So hockey, figure skating, speed skating. In fact, the largest single group is on the women's hockey team. But we do have three skiers, and they're all ski jumpers who've trained nearby.
0: If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that is Reset Sustainability Contributor Karen Weigert. We're talking about the environmental impact of all that goes into making the Winter Olympics possible in an area of China that gets almost no snow. Uh, So if you're planning on watching the Games, the opening ceremony will actually be tomorrow, February 4th. Uh, I want to zoom out a little bit more, Karen. Tell us what you're hearing about how the warming climate is going to affect how the International Olympic Committee picks the future locations for the Games?
1: Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting question for all of us who love sports and who think about our broader planet. There's now a study that looks at the cities that have hosted the Winter Olympics, so the 21 places that it's been. And if you project out climate projections and you look by the end of the century, only one of them, Sapporo, Japan, could likely provide the amount of snow that's needed to host a Winter Olympics. And if you extend it, you know, 10 of the cities might not be able to do it uh, even by the end of 2050. So there are some really significant changes happening here in temperature that will have huge implications for Winter Olympics.
0: What do we know about how climate variability is, is affecting snow here in the Chicago area?
1: Well, there's definitely been changes locally. Um, And the changes that we experience, similar to this question about where can future Olympics be, it's all going to vary based on what the carbon emissions are going forward. So our future impacts, just like which cities will be impacted and can host Olympics, are going to vary. But we are already seeing changes in snowfall, even changes during the course of a year, for example, more in the fall and less in the winter and spring. Um, So we are seeing those overall changes in weather, more volatility, is also a key factor here. And we're certainly experiencing uh,
0: that. I want to talk about adaptations that that people are making in skiing. Can, Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, there have been some great ways for people to think about how do you continue to ski when the conditions aren't what they might have been. And one of them has been what's called ski touring, which is kind of like skiing uphill on hybrid equipment. Mm. So you can kind of slide up and walk up because you put skins on your skis to get up the mountain, take them off, attach your heel, and then you can ski down. So it can keep you in different areas. Interestingly, though, a lot of people are starting to use this on managed or groomed trails because with heat and volatility, some of the other areas feel a little less safe because there can be more avalanche risk. So this is actually being used even on hills that might be groomed.
0: Well, tell us about Norgie Ski Club in Fox River Grove, because that's been operating for like a century or more than a century. Uh, It's also a place where athletes prepare for... Olympic-level ski jumping. So what do we know about how Norgi is adapting to these changes in climate?
1: Well, First of all, Norgi is the home club that is the secret sauce behind those three ski jumpers who are going from our region to the Olympics. Uh, They've all trained there, so there's a huge history of high-level performance, but also really working with kids and people of all skill levels in this sport. They've actually used some ice to extend their season, So they used to use snowpack. They've got ice now so that they can continue to have a longer season. uh, And so they can continue to help folks train and then ultimately continue to send more folks to the Olympics. And we hope they have a a safe and successful trip.
0: Well, what are you going to be paying attention to as these games roll on, Karen?
1: Well, like all fans, I'm simply going to be paying attention to the the sport uh, and the athletes. But obviously, we're going to be watching to see how this snow performs. Uh, We're going to be looking at some of the questions that the athletes themselves are even asking about competing in sports that are so energy intensive and flying around the world. Um, So we'll be paying attention to some of those things during the course of the Olympics and obviously rooting on our athletes.
0: Oh, for sure. That was Karen Weigert, Reset Sustainability Contributor. Thank you so much, Karen. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.